Earthbed Muscle is a grassroots supplement company created by some of the best strength coaches in the United States to provide their athletes with wholesome supplements. Earthbed Muscle has changed the supplement industry with their minimal ingredient approach to sports nutrition. Dane's platform is also brought to you by the Acceleration Diet. The Acceleration Diet is a customized weight loss program catered to each individual, their needs, and their schedule. Accelerate your metabolism today with the Acceleration Diet. Finally, Dane's platform is also brought to you by Holistic Encapsulations. Holistic Encapsulations provides organic hemp extract with an incredible 27 to 1 CBD ratio. Loaded with CBDs, hemp extract has been shown to decrease anxiety, have a positive impact on cancer, improve sleep, improve brain function, and decrease inflammation. Head over to HolisticEncapsulations.com today and get on the path to holistic recovery. Alright, so we're here with another episode of Dane's Platform, and I'm fortunate enough to have the Don on here. Don Ricci, am I saying that properly? Yes, you are, Mr. Dane. Alright, so so Don owns uh, Delta Weightlifting, which is in Sacramento, I guess, yeah, that would be Sacramento, yeah, Sacramento, California. Yep. And so, Don, I want to give us a little background. You played water polo. You you got in. How did you get into weightlifting and all that stuff? Give us like your athletic background, and then, you know, you trained under Waxman, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, uh, thanks for having me on the show. You know, you're one of the uh, handful of guys that I respect very much. So in this uh, this industry, so appreciate I appreciate you, that. Uh, appreciate you reaching out to me, but. Um, you know, my path into weightlifting is, I like to think, is a, a little bit more unique and a little uh, non-traditional in the sense for, of most weightlifting coaches. Um, I did not come from a necessarily a, a weightlifting background or a f- even a field sport background. Um, you know, I was a water sport athlete, so I played water polo, um, among other sports played rugby well I guess I did play a field sport but my my ben, my bread and butter was water polo so I played okay. in college um, uh, junior national team level uh, got called up a couple times to uh, train with the national team a uh, few weeks like the last month leading up to the uh, 2004 Olympics uh, uh, where do I go from there um, ended up winning two national championships at USC, um, went from walk-on to uh, All-American. Okay. And uh, so from there, you know, my first exposure to barbell training and, and strength conditioning was as an athlete. And, uh, you know, the first time I touched a barbell really was the first time I stepped in the weight room at USC uh, when I was 18. So, you know, I, I was a late adopter to this stuff. Um, but I was able to see what a strength and conditioning program can do uh, firsthand for an athlete. Um, and then post water polo, post college, kind of went into the corporate grinds, uh, and I ended up fucking hating it. <laughs> and what, what, what was the corporate grind? What was um, it? So I got into uh, commercial real estate. So okay. I, I sold and leased industrial buildings and uh industrial spaces so um of course timing is everything and i got into the industry in in like uh the spring of 2007 and then then the market crashed right (laughs) um but 
you know, one thing I've always prided on my, prided myself on is my ability to grind and my my work ethic and my dedication to whatever I was doing. And when it came to real estate, doom and gloom every single day, and uh, uh, the compensation was not matching uh, what I was putting into it. And I found myself towards the end uh, not finding a reason to wake up early and go into the office. And that was kind of the, the sign for me where it's like, all right, it's time to, time to look at other avenues. Um, so similar to, to how other people got in the sport, I, uh, I got into CrossFit, found CrossFit, um, and ended up seeking out uh, Sean Waxman down in LA. And uh, I guess the rest is history. So, um, but I went into Sean because I knew that I wanted to be a coach right from the get go. Um, what type of coach? Uh, in the terms of you know the fitness industry, I didn't know exactly, but I knew that I liked barbell training, and I wanted to. Uh, I was attracted to, as a former athlete, attracted to performance. So, okay. his first question when I walked in the door was, "You know, why are you here?" Uh, and that really stuck with me. Um, and my answer was, "I want to be a coach." So, um, yeah, I want to see what I can do myself, but my primary focus is to learn how to lift so I can coach it. Um, spent a few years with him and then had a kid uh, with my wife and realized I didn't want to raise a family in an apartment in LA. So <laughs> I, I, moved, I moved back home to Sacramento um, and started doing my own thing back in uh, well, come June 2015. So we're coming up on three years here. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, so from that aspect, I was never a great weightlifter. I like to think I could move well, but I was very, you know, coming from a, uh, an aquatic background, most uh, water athletes are, is, at least in the weight room, are very weak, <laughs> um, myself included. So, but uh, I had to fight and grind for every, uh, every bit of progress with the barbell that I had. And, I, and that's was really formative for me in terms of building um, my culture here at Delta Weightlifting and, and what I try and get instill into my athletes. Because look, at the end of the day, whether it's water polo, throwing, uh, weightlifting, football, um, the, the general concepts you know, that those cultural uh, values are, uh, it doesn't matter what sport it is. Right. So... So how long did you spend, like how many total years were you with Waxman? Uh, I was with Sean from uh, 2011 to 15. Okay. And then uh, in between there, I had a little uh, six-month stint with Ursula Garza. Um, And uh, while I was with Sean, did an internship at uh, my alma mater, SC, under, uh, if you're familiar with him, uh, Aaron Osmus, who was a a thrower back in the day. Right. And uh, Tim Karen, yeah, yeah, I know Osmus. So I don't, I don't know him, but he was an NCAA champ, I think, back in like '98. Yep, '98 uh, at Tennessee. Yeah, and guys still smashing PRs at forty plus. It's incredible. I guess so. What what I want to know too now is like you you've got this sort of different way into owning a gym, and. 
Then you've got the the whole side of developing a team and paying your freaking bills and at the same time getting athletes to that elite level. Like you've got uh, Jake just snatched 158 kilos as a 105. You got Cecily, who's one of the best 63, 69s in the in the country, right? And it's like, yep. what what do you see? You know, let's not even talk about training. Like like talk about that environment and the and the attitude that you've sort of developed. And you know, how do you do that? How do you instill that in such a short time frame into your athletes? So, <clears throat> biggest thing, yeah, this kind of goes into. I'm a one-man shop. I mean, look, I, I have some help here and there. Like Jake helps me out a little bit here and there with some coaching uh, when he's available and, and, and uh, helps out with social media. Um, so if you like our Friday memes, that's all Jake. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to running, you know, the, more or less a one-man shop. So it's, it's really uh, challenging, uh, no doubt. And it's... Uh, so if there's anyone that's listening that's thinking about doing this or that is uh, doing this, you know, the biggest thing that I found was uh, it took me about six months a year to really put together a, a sound business plan before I even uh, moved back home. So I was very clear of my direction and the culture that I wanted and uh, how I wanted to operate from day one. So, uh, you know, it was, it, so I guess the simple answer is it was very, it's very, it was very easy for me because I knew where I wanted to go right from day one. And uh, it took a lot of reflection and thought into how I wanted my, well, how I wanted my gym to operate and how I wanted my athletes to not perform per se, but to carry themselves. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a big, you know, outside of the X's and O's and the technique and the programming, you know, I find the, the, the best value, you know, from, from a coaching development standpoint for me now is, is, uh, you know, quote unquote self helps books, but culture, leadership, you know, and you look at what uh, that's, uh, and also the, the sports psychology aspect of sport and performance and training. And that's where uh, I think that's where I can make the biggest difference. And, and that has made the biggest difference with uh, my athletes and my team and, and, and what we're doing within our gym, both athletes and, and general members. Yeah. And I think, dude, just seeing you guys at, at meets and, and seeing that you guys are tight, even, you know, you see a lot of these teams and it's like, they're not even that, like they don't even hang out together. They're they, like, they're, they're at meets and they're just sort of like chilling. They're all wearing the same jackets because somebody popular on Instagram has this they're on that team so they're going to wear the same stuff and that's the one thing I think with you guys is like one I can bullshit with you and make fun of you but on top of that it's also <laughs> like you know the, the whole team's together and you guys are you know you have the same vibe it, it's it's and I, and I appreciate that a lot well it's it's important it's you know it's um it comes down to professionalism yeah right so you look at um it, 
Well, it's the whole reason why I came up with the quote unquote coach's tuck. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost a satirical um, take on my observations of uh, how coaches, the appearance of coaches in the back room. Yeah. You know, um, you know, especially when we're in a position with the sport um, where money is becoming very important uh, for funding and stipends and especially now with the the, the, um, the frequency of international uh, travel and appearances in the next 18 months for the for um, Olympic qualification you know, right. we need corporate money yep so if someone like Nike or rogue or you know Johnson and Johnson whoever the hell it is is looking at these live feeds or these you know still shots from these national meets and they're seeing uh, coaches with tank tops and backwards hats uh, and sandals whatever the fuck it is or shirts that don't even uh, have any bearing with their their team or their athlete or whatever you know that sends a that doesn't send the right message in my opinion. So, right. um, you know, that's where it, it, you know, everything matters. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, just to, just to complain a little bit here is that I'm not the, I, I sort of like to think of myself as the Bill Belichick of the back room where I might be wearing just the exact same clothing I wear every day, shorts, you know, shoes or sneakers and socks a garage strength shirt or a garage strength jacket. If I'm at US, like if I'm representing the US on a national, an international team and I'm coaching, you know, I'll, I'll wear all the USA gear 100% because I love it. But one thing I'll complain about is that even, even, so we go on these international trips and they get mad at me because I'm wearing a garage strength t shirt underneath and I'm like, well, you guys don't send me a USA weightlifting shirt. Like, <laughs> You know, right. Set, send me a USA weightlifting shirt and I'll wear it and I'll be part of the team. But you guys don't do that. So you you don't value it. And if you well, don't value it, I'm not going to value it because you don't, you know, you're the leaders. Yeah, especially especially the coaches. That, I, I've had that, uh, made that suggestion, uh, had that gripe too. It's Well, you also look, I forget which meet it was, but you also see on the international stage, you know, there's, um, uh, I think they did a better job of it at this Worlds, but, you know, you see it, um, past videos there's you know, jeans uh t-shirts that you know uh, no one's in you there's no uniformity right um and in, look that's that sends a message whether you, you may think that that is uh, a minor detail but look you fix a lot of minor details and <laughs> you know it, it's marginal marginal progress leads to, to incredible uh, 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 exceptional progress. Yeah, and, and, and I, that shit, those little things, fucking matter. Yeah, and going on that that picture that you had with Jake, where you're losing your shit in the background, dude. One thing I wanted to point out is that you weren't standing there with a cell phone in your hand. Like, I think that that's a huge thing. That I, I'm fine if if you're at these meets, national meets, and like you know, DJ might be videoing for me. But if if the head coach is videoing. Dude, there's a fucking problem with that. Like, yeah, so <laughs> that's another. So, right. It's, you know, we're in this age of social media where um, it matters. Again, yeah. social social media matters. Um, uh, but you also look in that the back of that picture. Cecily is the one that's videoing. 
Right. Yeah. No, I, I see, I, and I don't think that that's a problem. I think no. it's like, you know, you 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 have someone who's loading. You have someone who's loading or helping maintain the back and say, okay, you got a video. But the head coach, you know, if you look at some of the youth world videos from I think it was two years ago. There's coaches on the side videoing. Yes. It's like that yes. was one thing that Gatone said to us when we were at uh, in Tokyo. He's like, listen, I don't want anyone videoing in the back, like nothing. Like, that's great. It, yeah, this is – and that's the whole thing. It's like you, you got 15 kids out in the audience. You got hook grips there or all things gyms there. The videos are going to be there. Don't worry about that shit because that shit is not going to help you lift better. Right. It's, you know, get you some more followers, whatever. But – yeah, again, so it comes in two things for me. One, professionalism. Uh, but two, and more importantly, you know, you as a coach, it's a distraction. Yeah. It's a fucking distraction. You need to be focused and dialed in with your athlete. Yeah. You shouldn't be focused on, oh, shit, I got to get this. I got to get this lift for for the gram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stop fucking worrying. Don't get your don't get your fucking dopamine response from likes. Get your fucking dopamine response from your athlete smoking a fucking PR lift. Exactly. Yep. One hundred percent. So you know, to me, it it's I guess that this all this whole theme it's professionalism, and um, I was very uh, I was very clear in that desire to. Uh, promote and and push professionalism from day one. And That's... you know the thing I talk about with my athletes is you know um, you need you need to uh, heard this is great. I didn't I didn't make up this quote. This quote is from I got this quote from um, uh, Andy Stumpf. If you're familiar with him, no. um, he's a former SEAL. He, he's uh, he has his own podcast now, but. Uh, Anyway, he says, be the example. So, yep. you know, I, I love that because, it, you know, I talk to my athletes. You need to be the example. How, how do you want to be perceived? Do you want to be perceived as the jackass, lazy piece of shit? Or do you want to be perceived as the hard-ass, gritty motherfucker who's going to do what it takes regardless of the circumstances? Yeah. And... And also, too, kind of piggybacking on that, it's, you know, they trying to impress upon them that they are also a, a, uh, how they act and how they handle themselves. It's going to be a reflection of uh, not just me, but of Delta weightlifting. And yep. and we all need to be on the same page. So let's I want to move into a little bit of, of the training methodologies and and. I got a couple questions regarding that because one thing that I want to share with you is that I, I have gotten a couple messages from people that I work with online that are like, hey, you know, I listened to, I listened to uh, Coach's Tuck and Don was talking about how he only uses safety squat bar and, and, mm. and stuff like that. So I thought it was badass because I'm sitting there like, well, first of all, like, I'm glad they're listening to your podcast. Uh, I'm stoked people then, are, are talking. <laughs> that, that's cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so here, here's the, I don't only use safety bar. Well, I, let me ask, so I'll ask your question, then I'll, well, so, I didn't so mean to cut you off there. It, it basically was like, all right, mainly safety squat bar. Uh, I think it was with long leggers, long legged athletes, or maybe I added that in because I do like safety squat bar with long legged athletes. And then a little bit, uh, front squats were included. Mm -hmm. But, but my whole question is I wanted to just go into like, 
um, you know, from a strength perspective, you know, walk us through front squats, safety bar squats, back squats, um, pulls, and, and, and stuff like that, and how you use that to improve sports performance with the with your weightlifters. Okay, so um, I, I guess we'll start off with so the, the squatting. Um, for the record, I don't have everyone safety bar squatting. Uh, I would like to, uh, but I don't because I only have one safety bar. Uh, but one thing that I have I, I have started to notice, uh, you know, my first introduction introduction to a safety bar was uh, I fucked up my my wrist, and that was kind of the end of my weightlifting career too. Um, uh, so. <laughs> I can still punch hard with that wrist, though. Uh, anyway, um, so what I noticed when I first did it for the first time, like holy shit! Like this is uh, like the next day, my my torso was was so much uh, was really sore, um, and so I was thinking about it more and talking to Sean about it. You know, it, it, so you look at the loading pattern of the safety bar. And it puts you in a more upright position. Right. Why? Because the, the angle of the barbell and where the, the bar, the, the plates sit are more in our center of, of mass, center of gravity, uh, as opposed to uh, you know, uh, behind us. Right. So it's going to force a more upright position, which is very important for building strength in the clean. And also from that, that, that upright uh, start position. So uh, it has some positional, you know, I don't think there's any research on this. So this is, take it for what it is, this is my anecdotal um, experience and my observations, but it, it, it's more uh, positionally um, specific. So you know, we, we look at you know, the principles of training, specificity and, and the said principle, right? So um, when it comes to specificity, we need to do those implement or the training and the exercises should be revolved around those things that are going to improve in the sport of weightlifting this, the strength for the snatch and the clean jerk, specifically the clean jerk. So um, if the safety bar is going to put you in a more uh, advantageous position or, or a more upright position, uh, it's going to build better positional strength. Yep. Um, so that's why I like it and why I am moving towards, as I slowly build up my coffers, we'll be purchasing more safety bars. Because, um, you know, I don't think you've heard enough about it because, you know, why, from a business ownership standpoint, um, you know, why spend another two, 400 bucks on a bunch of other bars when you have a, a barbell that you can, you can still squat with. Yep. And that's just what's, what's been, that's just what's been done, uh, over time. But, uh, you know, that's my take on it. Uh, I, I think to, to go with what you're saying too, is that my experience has been, you know, you can, you can, teach squat technique and someone would sit here and say well why do you have to buy that bar just teach them how to squat properly they can stay more upright and to you know i'm a good example of someone who i've got long legs for my height and 
I have a horrible squat tech, like horrible squat technique. Yeah, and you, I could you do king squats and good mornings. <laughs> <laughs> and the duffalo bar I found has helped me a ton, but at the same time, I still suck. I still suck well, with so, it. Well, so the duffalo bar is a very similar loading pattern yep. to that of a, of a safety bar. And that's the thing. I think both of those bars are bars that can keep athletes more upright, and it's a it's a it's an easier way to teach the technique than to just constantly hound the athlete. You know, it's it's more about feeling than it is about cues, and I think feeling feelings are way more effective than than verbal commands. So yeah, well, I mean, they're uh, they can complement each other, but yeah, I, I absolutely from the athlete's perspective because yeah. You know, a cue you give them, they may feel it different. Uh, you know, it may not feel right. Right. But so, yeah, no, um, no doubt. Yeah. You know, so, so and here, here's another thing to, to uh, another observation. So this is again my sample size is one with with Jake, my 105. You know, he he had uh, uh, he's always had knee problems, and when we've ever pushed the back squat, his knees start to to really bug them and that you know it, it it would limit our ability to push uh the clean jerk um since we've taken out those uh since we've taken those out taking barbell squats out his knees you know he doesn't he doesn't even train with he used to train with sleeves and wraps and all that shit he doesn't even uh doesn't use any gear anymore because uh, his knees feel better and i think when you push uh, a back squat, you know it, it, the loading pattern is. Uh, if you grind out a heavy, heavy squat, you can do it, but you're going to put yourself in in a uh, your position, your posture and position are going to be tested, and they're, you're going to uh, sacrifice that that posture and position. And that's where you, know, you look. That's where athletes can get injured on the back squat. Yeah, and so. You know the safety bar squat. It, it, you, it's harder to push. It's harder to. Um, well, it's harder to push because you can't bail on a safety bar squat. So, so you're going to be limited on how much you qu- can quote unquote push. So the focus becomes speed. So and movement and right. And so you know another thing that really uh, started getting me thinking was listening to Dr. Hatfield, doc, you know, Dr. Squat, one, yep. of the best, one of the best fucking squatters ever. And he was saying that, um, you know, he would primarily, he, he said, you know, no one, when, when I was in my prime, no one ever asked me what I did to get so strong. But here's what I did. I did safety bar squats and cat compensatory acceleration. Uh, and up until like the last, you know, the competition phase where he had to get used to having a barbell on his back. So yeah. that really, you know, having someone with that type of credibility, both from a from an athlete standpoint and also, you know, he's a sports scientist. That really fucking. Uh, what know, kind you know, of squats was it? What was the, you sort of cut out when you said the first part? Uh, safety bar squats. Okay. Okay. And and and, and, cat. and cat. So yeah. so it was uh, position, basically position and speed. Right. And so, you know, so you're not going to have those big numbers or those Instagram crazy uh, uh, videos on squats. But you know what? Who the fuck cares? Because it's not a squat competition. Exactly. 
Now, what I've, you know, conversely, well, you need to load and, you know, get the hormonal response. Yeah, sure. Well, that's where my philosophy with front squats comes in is that's, that's where we can push because that is also positional strength. But from a loading pattern, if, if you lose position, you know, you're going to, um, your upper back's going to round a little bit, but you're not going, that's not necessarily going to injure you because you get to a point, it's, you're going to dump the bar. Yeah. So, so it's also an issue of, of um, you can still load it heavy and get the hormonal response you need while building that positional strength for the clean. Um, but it's also a safety, uh, uh, a safety. You know, it's it's an easier dump. Yeah. If they get if they get out of position, they, they can't grind. They're not going to be able to grind it out and and risk injury. No, they lose it forward and they just fucking drop the bar. Exactly. Instead of squatting like me, where they do a good morning and just fucking round their back and stand up, and then uh, get on, then get on a plane twenty minutes later, and I can't squat for two weeks. Ah <laughs> so, uh, man, I want to go into now. You know, do you use variations? What variations do you use? And if we sat there and said, okay, do you, does does Don Ritchie does Delta weightlifting have a chart like? X variation gives me this percentage, and if that's lined up, that's going to give me this on a snatch or a clean jerk. I want to know what those variations are, if you have a chart, you know, and what you use as far as improving technique and, and stuff like that. Okay, so uh, the short answer is yes. And so this is, this is a discussion about ratios. Uh, so the Soviets... God bless their government-funded uh, sports systems. Um, you know, they did so much fucking research. Uh, they they were able to compile enough empirical data to figure out if um, athlete does X amount of weight from, let's say, the blocks above the knee, um, they should uh, that will correlate into a why lift from the floor? Yeah. So um, let me pull up as I'm explaining this. Let me pull up my list. So um, all these percentages are based off of the competition lifts, the snatch and, and clean and jerk. Right. And so. Yeah, this is where this can, can go back to that squat um, conversation of you know uh, uh, there is such thing as squatting too much. Yeah, and th this has been talked about, uh, especially uh, more so in in track and field with throwers. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You know, so, so there there is some similarities in that regard. Um, you know, so. You know, why, why squat 300 kilos when you don't uh, when when you barely have a 200 kilo um, clean trick? Um, so hold on, bear with me here. Computer's super slow. Well, give me like what? Give me you know your top five snatch variations. Okay, so uh, our top so the 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 exercises that are going to give us give me or the athlete insight into what they are prepared to lift on competition day are uh, we use um, blocks above the knee so this is also for the clean um, blocks above the knee hang from below the knee uh, 
the research was done with overhead squat. I'd made a little tweak to that, and I do snatch balance because we don't really do. Wait, wait, you cut out there. So you got blocks above the knee, low hangs. Uh, the research was done with the overhead squat. Okay, okay. Uh, but I've tweaked that to snatch balance. We don't use overhead squat on its okay. own. We just incorporate that into complexes. And then power snatch. Okay. So uh, from the blocks and from the hang, you should be able to do 95%. Snatch balance or overhead squat, you know, about 105%. Uh, so, and then the power variation, so a power snatch, you should be around 80%. So carry over that to clean jerk, you should be able to clean about 102% from the floor, um, clean from the blocks and from the hang below the knee, again, 95%. Jerk from the blocks or from the rack, 105. Behind the neck jerk, 100. Push jerk, power jerk, are interchangeable to me, uh, 90%. And here's where we get into this, the, the, the squatting. So front squat, 115%. You should be able to uh, front squat 115%, give or take uh, a couple percentage points of what your current or projected front squat is. Or uh, sorry, uh, clean jerk. Clean, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, back squat is going to be between 130 to 135 And then same thing, power clean, about 80%. Yep. So you know, this is where it becomes powerful uh, or a great tool where ratios are very important uh, because it tells you, well, two things. One, first and foremost, it tells you where your athletes are deficient, either from a technical standpoint uh, or from a strength standpoint. So it will help you guide as a coach. It will it will help you guide where the training should go. So, uh, you know, is it an issue of uh, position or strength or both? So, so it gives you the coach uh, a a better understanding of how to how to plan the the training for your athletes so uh, i guess my first question is going to be if you have your clean you could clean 102 percent of your best clean and jerk mm -hmm. and then you have jerks off the box at 105 percent why wouldn't why wouldn't that clean and jerk be a little bit higher if both the clean and the jerk are going to be higher than your clean and jerk so th so think about this uh when you're jerking from the rack or from the from the blocks, however you do it, you're jerking fresh. Right. You know, when <laughs> anytime in competition you're doing a clean jerk, uh, you're never jerking fresh. You have a huge energy expenditure uh, from you've expended a lot of energy standing up the heavy ass clean. So um, that's um, that's why from. Theoretically, you should be able to jerk more than you clean a jerk. So what would you say, you know, if we if we went snatch to clean jerk, what would your percentage of snatch to clean jerk be? Uh, that's going to be anywhere 
uh, it should, well, so it's going to depend on where the athlete is in their development. The, the, the younger or uh, uh, newer the athlete is, that snatch is going to be higher. The, the ratio of the snatch cleans are going to be higher. It may, in some cases, it may be 90%. So what that will tell you is, okay, well, guy's pretty technically proficient, but, you know, he's a weak ass. Yeah. Uh, so we need to push strength. You know, so as and that that that'll become, you know, I'm sure you've if you go back to some of your your youth athletes uh, or, you know, your junior athletes now when you first yep. got them yep. uh, and you look back at the numbers, um, you will probably be able to notice that their snatch and clean were a little bit closer. And over time, it, it might have it might expand out. But except uh, for Haley, for some dumb fucking reason could be how she's built but look how how old is she she's 19 now she just turned right. 19 last right. week so, so she's still she's still young yeah um but you you look at um as you develop the older the the, the longer you're in the sport it should be anywhere from uh 78 to 82 83 percent okay so i got I got one more question regarding training. Like when we when we are setting up when, or delta weightlifting setting up to peak for senior nationals. Yeah. Are you going to set it up so it's there's no variations in a program or is there still going to be variations in a program? Are you going to taper everybody back from a volume perspective, taper everybody back from an intensity perspective? Are you going to taper back uh, are you going to not taper back certain variations, you know. I, I want to just, uh, I just want a little peek inside your brain when you're setting up that 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 peak. You know, what? How yeah. are you going to set it up? Um, so again, it comes into uh, you go. You got to look at it from, or this is how I approach it. Uh, specificity. Oh, it comes down to specificity, and and the said principle. You know, what, what are my athletes going to be doing on the competition platform? They're going to be snatching and clean jerking. So uh, my athletes need to be the most prepared to be able to do that and snatch and clean jerk on the same day. So in a, um, you know, a, a GPP phase and a, a um, you know, general physical preparation phase and a um, SPP, you know, a special um, physical preparation phase, uh, I break up the lifts individually. So there's a snatch day, a jerk day, a clean day, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but the closer we get to competition, uh, the athletes need to be prepared to snatch and clean jerk together because that's what they're going, that, that's what the demands of the sport uh, require. So uh, when we're anywhere from, depending on if it's a peak, uh, a minor peak or a major peak, you know, four to six weeks out, uh, we take out all variations. We are we are no longer doing any positional work. Um, so we're uh, we go into you know we're snatching, clean jerking from the floor, power snatching, power clean jerking from from the floor, and we we snatch and clean jerk or power snatch and clean jerk every day together, um, because that's the specific conditioning as well. So that that's how I approach it. Okay. Um, that's my personal, you know, I, I see, uh, you know, there's still some, some athletes that are going to Pan Ams that are still doing variations. Um, you know, look, there's, there's, 
many different ways to skin a cat. Hey, I w- okay, I want to go. Your last back squat or safety squat bar, either one, what's the last day they might push a little bit heavier on the squats? How many days out from comp? Uh, back squat about a month. So last, uh, this, uh, so this week I think was the last, the last week we really pushed back squat. Uh, front squat is about closer, like three weeks. So next week we're going to push front squat just because the loading isn't as heavy. So, so, um, uh, they still have enough time, enough, enough carryover, um, and enough time to recover. Okay. That's good. But, uh, you know, another, another thing that we do, you know, in the, in the, the, um, the preparation phases, uh, we, use a variation of percentage and kind of RPE in the sense of we have a base percentage of our working sets and then if the athlete's feeling good we, we take them up if not we keep them there so it's it's almost like rep, we, we do more rep maxes yeah yeah so long um, but uh, as we get into the the uh, the competition phase uh, we transition into more percentage based on the days that we don't take it heavy we have like three i think three days where we wave uh with with singles um that's where you know that's basically yeah no percentage let's see see what you can do but um we stick to the percentages so we focus we we dial in the speed uh the coordination the timing and also the recovery so we can maximize those wave days and and also the the big day that actually counts how many days a week are you going to max out or a program? Uh, I hate the word max out. <laughs> so, so, so never. <laughs> no. Um, how many days a week? So, in a competition or a a a, a block or, or sorry, a um, preparation phase, we're where we we don't go we don't quote unquote max out from the floor. Where we're going to push, our primary focus is on, on those posi- that positional work. So we'll go to heavy singles on those. Well, look, it depends on the athlete, yeah, as well. But um, the focus is we'll we'll push the positional work heavier um, because uh, because of those ratios that we talked about earlier. Um, and when it comes to the competition block, we'll do uh, we we will quote unquote. In six weeks, we'll quote unquote max out or go to heavy singles um, three to four times. Okay. All right. Kind of depends. Yeah. Like it, it all depends. <laughs> okay. But so, g- generally Don, speaking, I want to ask you questions. I got I got like three hot topic questions to finish this off. Mm, I love hot topic questions. <laughs> give me your best book on owning a business oh best book on owning a business fuck Um, I'm looking at my library right now Mm. Hugh Hefner's guide to (laughs) Um, you know 
I, I don't really read a whole lot of books on business per se. What about self-help or motivation? Okay. This, this is where I, okay. So I have uh, three books that were very foundational for me. Um, the score takes care of itself by Bill Walsh. Uh, Legacy. Okay. Uh, who wrote Legacy? Legacy is uh, written by James Kerr. Okay. And now it's about the All Blacks. Okay. And then, lastly, my boy Pete Carroll. Win forever. Okay. So those were uh, those were really foundational for me in terms of culture. Okay, so what's the what's the best like sports science based book that you like? Um, science and Practice of Strength Training. Okay. By uh, Zatsiorski and Kramer. Yeah. That's kind of my go-to. I mean, Super Training, but that's more to me. That's more of a reference book because it's so fucking dense. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's see what else. Uh, for younger coaches, I think the, the NSCA uh, Essentials book is, is a great uh, great learning tool. Okay, I got three more rounds here. All right, let's hit it. Top three best technical models in Snatch. Mm. Uh, in no particular order. And Who? In no particular order. Oh. And uh, ignoring the fact whether or not they're cleaner or, right. or drugged. Yeah. Um, Apti, Octav. Okay. okay. Mm. Katarina. Okay. Who else? Uh, and we'll use an American, uh, Colin Burns. Okay. I think th those are, are, are great. Uh, from a technical standpoint, uh, as close as it gets to to perfect. What about cleaning jerk? Mm. Um, I said Katrina. I meant Tatiana. Yeah, yeah. On snatch, so Tatiana as well for cleaning jerk. Hmm. <sighs> Uh, Lasha. Okay. I mean, I guess you could throw him in. I mean, Jesus, you can throw him in there for snatch too. Um, all right, I gotta get away from my heavyweight and super heavyweight bias here. Um, God damn it! Racking my brain here. I'm at a loss here. I mean, I, I mean, who, who's th throw any great? I mean, goddamn. Um, well, look, here's here. Let, let's let's broaden this a little bit. When I look, uh, the athletes that I look for as the best examples of technique are typically going to be uh, Russian athletes. Okay. Re regardless of if you think they're, you know. Um, Numbers aside and, and, and doping aside, 
you, you their, their their mechanics and their positions um, are great, and they all look the same. So that that could be another discussion about uh, uh, met, coaching methodology and a system of developing technique. But um, for sure, that's a broad way to talk about it, I guess. All right, Don. Thanks for being on the on the. I was just gonna say on the platform. I think maybe that'd be a good way to close this out. We're on oh, the yeah. platform. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I again, appreciate you being me. on, and uh, yeah, and hopefully we can have another one where you, where you can go a little bit more in depth into just technique and stuff like that. So would love it. Yeah, well, we'll good s- good luck with Haley and Pan Ams. You guys are gonna you guys are gonna crush it, and then. Uh, Let's get to get get together for breakfast at Nationals. I look absolutely. I look forward to you uh, making me some earth-fed muscle pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Don. All right, Stud. Thank you. See ya. Bye. At this time, we want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Dane's Platform. Remember to look out for our next episode and check out our sponsors: Earth-Fed Muscle, the Acceleration Diet, and Holistic Encapsulations. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.